Welcome to Gardening Naturally with Jeff Ferris. Call or text Jeff now with your gardening and landscape questions. 512-836-0590. Hey, welcome to Gardening Naturally, folks. Those of you who've already dialed in this morning, welcome back. Let's go to the phone. This is Zane. Zane, what can I help you with? Hey, friends. Um, I'm a local Austinite, and I've been suffering through these 80-plus days of heat, only to be pelted by tennis ball-sized hail, and was wondering about how to make a more water-effective clover or not-grass lawn. Um, it's my first time living in a house, and I'm wanting to do something more cost-effective. Okay. I appreciate what you're asking, but you have to understand something. The clovers that grow here can't handle our heat. Correct. So it, won't make a very, it won't make a very good lawn. Um, there are very drought-tolerant grasses, uh, turf grasses, ones that stay at, at that reasonable height. Maybe up to eight inches. <clears throat> okay. And well, I, th- I think one of our natives. Okay. I've been considering like mondo grass as a possible substitution or something low water needing with a high heat tolerance or heat index that it's able to tolerate. And mondo's the closest thing I've been able to find, but that's pretty expensive per square foot. I was trying to find something low cost that doesn't get too tall like a natural wild grass, you know? Well, that's the problem. Everybody is looking for what you're looking for, and there really isn't a solution for that. Now, the mondo grass is not a bad idea at all because you wouldn't have to even mow it. Exactly. It has good color to it, etc. But you kind of have to get some plant a small spot of it, and then let it expand on its own. It could take you several years to fully fill in with Mondo grass. That can be an issue, but you can make a lawn out of it. And you're right, it would be expensive to simply go out and go, give me, you know, 10,000 Mondo grass four inch starts. But it is used as a lawn. You just have to start planting it and encourage it to expand on its own. So how would I deter my pre-existing grass from invading that? Or how do I uh, make it recede? Well, congratulations. That's one of the problems with trying to convert from any type of grass to some different type of grass. It's very difficult, if not borderline impossible, to remove every bit of grass that's already there. So you're always going to have some that's going to find its way into your grass. The other part of that is, if the grass you originally had grows pretty well in that area, that'll be even harder because... If you're watering newly planted, like mondo grass starts, you're also watering everything else that's with it. So that means right. you're going to encourage the existing grass 
that you don't want to grow even better. So now you see the issue with turf grasses. One of the easiest ways to manage this is to minimize your amount of turf grass. Unless you have a need, a need, not a, gee, I'd like to have a big green pretty lawn, but if you have a need for turf grass, fine. But if you don't, why are you growing it? That's the shortcut answer. Put in mulch, put in flower beds, put in other things so that you don't have to take care of the grass. All right. Well, I appreciate your time today, Jeff, and thank you for your input. And I'm sorry for your trees, but also I'm happy that you have more space to do what you're wanting now. Yeah. See, and that's part of the problem, Zane. Um, It's like... There is no singular correct answer. Oh, it's for sure. always a compromise of some kind. You know, don't have grass at all or have this kind of grass or, you know, there's so many things going on. We don't have an answer for it yet. And trust me, they are working so hard to come up with better turf grasses that don't need much water. They haven't been real successful yet. All right, Jeff. Well, this is Zane. Do you like you official? Thank you so much for your time. Thanks for the call, Zane. Let's go to the phone. This is Robert. Robert, what can I help you with? Morning, Jeff. Are you familiar with the night blooming cirrus? I do not have one. We used to sell them. Uh, They were very, very popular. Yeah, this has got um, a big fleshy blade-like leaf, and then the flowers come off the edges of the blades. Yeah. Um, um, this is, I've got a very old one that lives outside, and um, all of a sudden I'm getting some dye back where it's blackened death on some of the leaves, and i just uh, scratching my head, sort of a necrosis kind of thing going on. And just all of a sudden, I did give it a shot at John's recipe to see if that would perk it up, but it uh, continues to die off. I don't know. Any idea? Okay. This is frustrating, but some plants, it's called sinensis, meaning this particular flower, leaf, branch, is no longer providing the plant with what it needs. Hmm. And you will see some dieback. That's assuming there isn't any particular disease causing the problem. And I'm not quite sure that that's a, a possibility. But the temperatures we suffered and the watering and things like that really beat up these plants. Mm -hmm. Because we have cooler temperatures now, you can probably do just fine to cut out some of that dead and encourage it, encourage it with a little bit of fertilizer, not real rich fertilizer, but just a little bit uh, to encourage it to put on new growth and bloom. 
So contrasty or something more aggressive? No, that would be good, actually. That's not too heavy a fertilizer, um, but that would work just fine to start encouraging it to, to bloom. You know, technically, it's a cactus. Right. So you really got to work carefully is to ensure that you're getting the soil to dry out between waterings and you want really good drainage so that when you water it, all of the soil gets wet and you let that drain out and, and dry out before you water it again. Yeah, well, I've elevated it from sitting on the ground to uh, a plant stand, so I think that'll help some. Um, yeah. And I had one other one other question, if I could. Uh, a um, what is it? Uh, geez, I just forgot the name. It's um, uh, um, anyway. I'll have to call back. I get the name. <laughs> hey, anyway, it's, uh, it's all right, Robert. I have that problem every single day. Can't remember a plant. So yeah. no big deal. Call me when you remember. Okay, thank you. Thanks for the call, Robert. Folks, this is Gardening Naturally. We need to take a quick break. We'll be right back. This is Gardening Naturally on News Radio KLBJ with host Jeff Ferris. Jeff is ready for your calls or text messages at 512-836-0590. Hey, welcome back, everybody. Um What a beautiful day today. The temperatures are so amazing. Now, we shouldn't get too spoiled too soon here. They still have an issue where we are looking at temperatures in the 90s by the end of the week, more than we would really really want to deal with. Folks, let's go to the phone. Robert, welcome back. Remember the plan? Yeah, I remembered it, yeah. Desert Rose. And it's a, a really old, really old one. And is that part of the cactus family as well, or succulent family? I think it's succulent. Okay. Anyway, a uh, really, really old one, more than ten years. Uh, lives outside. And one week when I went on vacation, it didn't get watered so much, so it kind of drooped a little. And now, trying to bring it back from that, the turgor pressure will not let some of the uh, stems rise again to their where they used to be. Should I not worry about it? It looks kind of weird, but um, doesn't seem detrimental. The leaves yet. are still on it and such. You should give it some time yet. Cooler okay. temps are going to make a difference. Get back on that regular watering schedule that it's used to. Okay. But <clears throat> I think you're going to see that cooler temperatures will help it. And okay. in a worst-case scenario... Even if you have a few stems that are like, nah, I'm going to droop. This isn't going to look good. You can cut those off. You, you, yeah. you are, you're not going to lose the plant because of this, but you well, can't make I've it. I've never trimmed it better. ever. Is it good practice to trim? Uh, no. <laughs> uh, I would if you had dead material. Or no, no dead. Yeah. Okay. Uh, you may just, you just may need to have some patience. Okay. I'll do it. Thank you. You bet. Thanks for the call. Yeah, folks, we, we are going to have 
holy cow, there's going to be plants that will do just fine in three weeks from now in nice weather with rain, they're going to fall over dead. They just are... (laughs) You don't know what to get out of nature. The best you can do is look at the plant, figure out what is most needed by that plant. What is the best you can provide for that plant and do so. Very few plants need to be watered every day. Container plants, maybe. But one's out in the garden, that's a really a pretty rare thing. So let's not kill our plants with kindness either. Some, some of us will get a plant and it will become a specimen. Something really special to you. A gift, a real unique plant, something you've always wanted. And that's fine. Know what it needs, know what you need to do for it, and do the best you can in provide, providing the things that it wants. That's all you can do. You know, we get a, a lot of comments about, I have these two plants, and they're right next to each other, and one of them looks terrible. <clears throat> plants are no different than people. You can get a person who's taller than others. Uh, You can get people who are shorter than others, heavier, skinnier, etc. But they're still humans. Same with your plants. You can have two beautiful oak trees be completely different, even though they may even have been acorns from the same tree. I have two Yopan hollies. They touch each other. That's how close they are. One of them didn't make it at all. The other one doesn't look like it had any problem with the heat. I'm probably going to have to dig one of the two out. And they've both been there several years. It's not like I put them in last year and they went through the summer. They've been there a while. They've been growing on their own. Identical plants, but they're not. You know, they're unique. They're unique in their particular needs. So we have to understand that. The best you can do is the best you can do. So you want to do everything you can to keep them happy and healthy. Figure out, do a little reading, a little research, and find out, I have a rose. What do roses need? What do roses want? What do roses like? And then try to fill in the blanks for the rose so it can, it, it can do so much better.
Uh, I got a text where someone is asking, they got a burn spot in their St. Augustine. The sun just beat it to death. So what's a winter ground cover? The rye grasses. Perennial rye is prettier. It will look more like the turf grass. Annual rye grows just as well, but it doesn't look quite as good. And the idea is that you plant them now. They germinate best in cooler weather, like we're starting to get, and let them grow through the winter. They'll improve the soil. They'll break up the ground, set down roots, and put uh, organic matter in the soil. And as it gets hotter, they will start to die and let the original grass grow back whether it's St. Augustine or Bermuda or any of the others. So rye is one of the best winter covers for your turf grasses. It also will break, help break down the mud because if we're going to start getting rain and you've got dead patches, that means you're going to have mud baths. So just consider that as a cover for your turf. Folks, we're coming up on a break for the news. We'll be right back. This is Gardening Naturally on News Radio KLBJ with host Jeff Ferris. Jeff is ready for your calls or text messages at 512-836-0590. Hey, welcome back, everybody. <clears throat> Beautiful day today. Gosh, it's going to be so nice. A high of 80, it was 53 this morning. Man, that is that is what fall weather should be. It was really, really lovely. I mean, I had people texting me a picture from their back porch with a cup of coffee for this morning. Don't blame them at all. Couldn't get out there early enough myself. Um, that's something that I don't know if you've noticed, but it's later and later in the morning before the sun comes up. It's pretty dark at 7, as opposed to it used to be bright and sunny. So I got to wait until the show is over to be able to go out and have that cup of coffee on my back porch. But I'll be doing so. It is just, this is what we've been waiting for. Now, this is just a short burst because we're gonna get warmer through Thursday. 91, they're predicting for a high. But then after that, it drops off again. We may finally be getting into, dare I say it, fall temperatures. It'll be wonderful. You will see your plants really start to perk up. That nighttime, Low is a key to so much of what goes on in our garden. And it's finally down to a temperature that's really, really comfortable. Now, there is one thing. Um, my peppers, I have bell peppers, and I gave them just enough water to not die during the heat. I mean, very, very little. They are covered in blooms. 
I have lots of new bell peppers coming. Really happy with that. This weather will be when I get the big red bell peppers that I've been waiting for. This is this is the time to garden in Texas. Fall gardening is really, really the fun time here. It's decent for us to be out there, and it's really a time when the plants are going, hey, you know, uh, this isn't too bad. <clears throat> I have weird plants coming back. I've had a rather long run of schoolhouse lilies, one bed bloomed and now a different bed of them is blooming. My pavonia, rock rose, my gosh, it's big. And when it blooms in the morning, it is covered with pink. It really looks amazing. And I have flame acanthus. That may have been a mistake. The flame acanthus is just going crazy. And I should probably cut it back some or dig some out. It got a little aggressive, but it's looked so good. My kidney woods are buzzing because they're blooming. My lantana has got all kinds of new yellow flowers coming back on it. And I don't know if you've noticed that. If you're driving on, I wouldn't say country roads, but roads with rough edges, I can't believe the amount of volunteer lantana that I've seen. Um, the the confetti color lantana is just everywhere. Whether you wanted it planted or not, I've had to fight getting rid of some for a few years. Had to finally just dig it out to get it to go away. Of course, it showed up in a different place. So kind of constantly battling it. Now, I'm really hoping that this weather does more than just help our plants. Um, I don't know if you've heard this, but Cornell Labs, Cornell Labs is where you go for ornithology information. In other words, bird information. And according to Cornell Labs, this is posted by the Travis Audubon Society. Some 15 million birds passed through Travis County skies last night on their journey south. There are all kinds of species of birds, yellow warblers, ruby crown kinglets, just all kinds of really true beauty. The problem is we have so many lights on at night and the birds navigate by the light of the moon. So if you want to help them, I've got something for you to do that requires almost no effort on your part. That's the best kind of help to give where you don't have to really do much. And that's to simply turn your lights off at night. Not just your outdoor lights, but your indoor lights. Make sure that you have night sky outdoor lights if you can't turn them off. 
but you want to turn them off between 11 and 6 till about Thanksgiving. That gives a, the birds a very dark sky, makes it easier for them to navigate, and it helps them in their migration. And during this time, all these birds, you get an opportunity to see ones that are pretty much a rarity just to catch one. Not that they're rare for our area. It's just that they don't kind of stand out all the time. So simple, simple thing. Turn your lights off at night. Don't leave even indoor lights on if you don't have to. And outdoor lights invest in what are called night sky friendly lights. They are not expensive. They still provide light. They just don't blast it everywhere. They direct it to where you need it to be rather than having this really bright bulb that shines for the whole neighborhood. That's not good. So turn your lights off inside and out between 11 and 6 a.m. You will really make a difference in helping out the migrating birds. And it takes nothing for you to do so. Folks, this is Gardening Naturally. Uh, we've got a break coming up. We'll be right back. This is Gardening Naturally on News Radio KLBJ with host Jeff Ferris. Jeff is ready for your calls or text messages at 512 836 0590. Hey, welcome back, everybody. <clears throat> I mentioned about turning the lights off at night to help with bird migration. But you know one other thing that'll help? Uh, if you turn those lights off, there are several really impressive meteor showers coming up. And they'll be so much easier to see in a dark sky area. So there's another benefit for it. Don't, uh, don't let it doesn't require a lot of effort to do so. So keep that in mind to make it worth your while as to why you want to uh, want to do it. Let's go to the phone. This is, oops, where was I? There I go. This is John. John, what can I help you with? Well, good morning, Jeff. I've got uh, I've got a couple of uh, magnolia trees in the backyard. Uh, they were in there when we uh, moved in seven years ago. Um, I've got one that is doing just great. The other one that is uh, ten feet from it is is nothing. Um, it, uh, and I, I'm wondering if I can pull that nothing tree up, maybe treat the uh, the soil and put in a an olive tree. Okay, first off, yes. If you take that tree out, you want to do a little amending of the soil because olives need very, very good drainage. But other than that, you can take that bad tree out and put in an olive. There are several olives that manage very well here in Texas and can handle our not frequent, but are occasional, very, very cold weather. 
Um, okay. They're beautiful trees. I wouldn't plant them with the intent of them making olives, though. That can take a while if they're successful. And if you're only going to plant one, you need one that's self-fertile. But you can get them to produce olives, and then you can brine the olives, and there you go. You make, you make your own olives. Well, um, thank you very much. I appreciate your time today. Thanks for the call, John. Yeah, folks, olives are great here. They can be very pretty trees. They want to act like they're a bush rather than a tree. So you have to kind of take care of it to make it shape out the way that you want. But it can be done. Um, They look great. Uh, okay. I, someone asked a question about spreading enriched yellow cornmeal. I, I'm not sure why you're doing that. If you're addressing trying to control a fungus in the grass, or if you're trying to increase trico, um, uh, sorry. I forget the name of the fungus that is a positive fungus, a good addition to the soil. You can just toss it with your bare hands. If you're toss, if you're thinking that this is to prevent weeds from germinating, you don't use yellow cornmeal. You l- use corn gluten meal. There's a difference. You can spread both of these with your bare hands if you want. If you're using corn gluten, a grass seed spreader, fertilizer spreader, they work fine. And you will have to kind of calculate based on the size of the bag. Normally, a single bag of corn gluten would cover about 2,000 square feet. So you got to kind of do the math in your head to figure out how much do you need and how much do you need to spread as you're walking along. Uh, The second question, is it a bad time to plant ryegrass? No, probably not. If you were to do it now, if we got lucky and got some rain, that'd be even better. But you should be able to start looking at spreading the ryegrass now. Ryegrass wants cooler temperatures to be able to germinate, all right? Well, our weather is going to be in that range. Thursday's going to be a little warm, maybe even Friday. But the rest of the week is going to be fine, and it'll probably be cooler next week. So this is a good time to look at getting your ryegrass out. Um, it should be something that... The only thing it really does, you want to make sure if you're spreading that ryegrass seed that it is um, touching the soil. That's really important for the seeds to germinate. So if you're throwing 
ryegrass out, ryegrass seed, and you're just tossing it, um, you may need to rake a little bit to get the seed down to the soil. That will make the, the best difference. Now, is Bermuda grass a good choice right now? It may not be. Because Bermuda grass wants warmer temperatures to germinate. Ryegrass wants cooler. So we're moving into, this is the time where you will be uh, planting the ryegrass. It'll make it through the winter and soon as we get hot again in the spring, your underlying grass, whatever you overseeded, should start coming back and the ryegrasses will die out from the heat. That's kind of how we change out the various soil grasses, turf grasses that we get and try to keep everything looking green as long as possible. So yes on ryegrass, probably not on Bermuda. You can be doing ryegrass now. I don't think I would be doing Bermuda grass now. And bare soil is a great choice because that ensures the seeds are touching soil and you will have better germination rates. And let's hope we finally get into this wetter weather that they've been talking forever that we just haven't gotten yet. It's coming. It's coming. Let's keep our fingers crossed, though. Folks, this is Gardening Naturally. Coming up to the end of the show, I will talk to you all next Saturday at 9 o'clock. Have a fantastic weekend.